Welcome to Alex Anderson's Quilt Connection, dedicated to educate, inspire, and grow today's quilting community. We're here today with Ellie Sinkevich. Did I say it right, Ellie? Beautifully. I practiced, I practiced. Thank you so much for stopping by and talking to me today because you hold a very special place in my heart and in many quilt makers' heart, hearts because you have brought to us the revival of the Baltimore album quilt. And for those people who might be brand new quilt makers who are listening to this, tell us what it is. Thank you, Alex. Album quilts are collections. They're collections of blocks largely appliqued on a theme, and that's actually the definition of an album. So we have record albums and photograph albums, stamp albums. These quilts, these collections of blocks on a grid pattern, were made in the middle 19th century, roughly 1844 to 1856. It's a generous breadth for them. And they were made in the city of Baltimore. Uh, it was amazing to have such a flowering of very complicated, very innovative quilts, so many of them in such a short period of time in a defined geographical area. And that's a mystery. Why so many? What drove them to make these beautiful quilts? And even more specifically, can you describe what one might look like for someone, if they might not know what we're talking about, which I can't imagine, but there might be a brand new quilt maker out there. Well, the average number of squares is five by five, so 25 squares with a border. Uh, The squares would almost all be different, and often the squares themselves set up an internal pattern These were Victorian, and at the same time in the rural areas, Amish ladies were making trip-around-the-world quilts out of solid-color squares. And in these album quilts, you can see that same pattern that is a square on point made of these separate blocks, but they using the white space and the applique designs. So they're very complicated to do that using different motifs in the blocks to set up an overall pattern is amazing. But the untutored eye would look and they would say, ah, five blocks across, five blocks down, most of the blocks are different. Bright colors, but not garish. A lot of red and a lot of green in them. Incredible applique. Incredible applique. Most all on a white background. And now, is there often ribbon work and inking in them also? There is inking. There's very little ribbon work. Only one that I know of used ribbon. uh, Used velvet ribbon to weave the baskets. Because you've gotten us all excited about using ribbon, so I thought maybe that there was a lot of it historically, but no, this is something you've brought to the table. Yes. And speaking of bringing to the table, how did you become enamored in love and so scholarly about Baltimore album quilts? When and how? When and how? It was 1982. I went and saw a beautiful museum show. The Baltimore Museum of Art had 25 of these album quilts. They had taken the show to the Museum of Fine Arts in Houston, to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and to the Baltimore Museum of Art, where I saw it. 
I was a mom of three kids. I had a booming mail order business. A neighbor invited me to go and see the show of Baltimore Album Quilts. And I thought, okay, I'll go. And I walked through. I came to the 25th quilt, and by the time I stood and looked at it, I was actually caught by a one-layer red applique of hearts in a circle. And I stood looking at that center block, and I felt tears coming from my eyes. I felt as though I was looking into the soul of the women who made these. This very evocative quilts. I think all of us recognize a quilt into which someone has pulled poured their heart and soul. One has the feeling that many of these, particularly the early ones in the period, are made by many people. And then gradually you get a sense that perhaps one person has decided that she could make one by herself and she'd like to. You mean even historically? Even historically, because that's happening now when I started my series of books on these quilts. And how long ago was that? That was in 1983, actually. I published my first one, and it was on the symbols in these quilts called Spoken Without a Word. I have that book. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a collector's item now. Yes. And actually, it was my key to the inner life of the albums because in doing reproductions of these patterns, I realized that certain motifs, for example, the fleur-de-lis or the acorn, were repeated often. The acorn showed up in baskets of flowers, and it showed up in cornucopias of fruit. And I thought, why the acorn? So I looked it up, and it turns out, I looked it up in the language of the flowers, an old Victorian book, and it turns out that it stands for longevity. So it would be a nice thing. If, as at Thanksgiving, a cornucopia is a sign, a symbol of our blessings, and a symbol is a visible sign of invisible things, then these ladies were putting acorns in their blessings. Uh, This is too long a story to go into now, Alex. Actually, my 19th book is coming out in September. But they they speak to us more clearly, I think, than any other quilts of specific lives and specific times. And part of it has been the trying to understand this code, the use of symbols during that period. And you really are a historian along these lines, right? I was a history major. Oh, really? And I, I, um, so I have, and I also have always been fascinated with art and religion. So these were my quilts. Okay. <laughs> history, art, and religion. So <laughs> and applique. As far as that time period, what started it, do you suppose, and then it ended abruptly? It ended abruptly. It, it, blossomed between two periods that we would call recessions, but they called them the panics. Panic of 1843, I believe. I'm not going to be too specific about my numbers, but I think it was the Panic of 1857. Anyway, it was a period of tremendous uh, prosperity during Baltimore, of the Industrial Revolution coming. We have lots of names on the quilts, and by membership lists of the Methodist Church or the Mechanic Arts Institutes, we see that many of these people were, were it was the middle class, people who are starting factories, people who are working in factories. So it was not the elite? It wasn't really the elite, which is shocking to us, uh, because we want to say, oh, these were wealthy women with household servants. Yeah, right. So that block for me. <laughs> I joke and I say that they will say this because there's a great revival. It's actually a second revival now of these elegant applique quilts throughout the industrial world. 
Cape Town, South Africa, Tokyo, now, Ellie, New York. You must. We, we need to thank you for this because really you are the mother of this revival. Wouldn't you say, or I'll say it for us, right? Well, it's certainly been my joy and I've been steeped in it and, and that could possibly be true. <laughs> <laughs> it is very true. But anyway, and that's an interesting question, why it has so so sparked our interest. Uh, I think that I see it very closely attached to the fraternal orders and specifically the Odd Fellows. And that sounds sort of nothing we can go into now, but mm-hmm. it's fascinating because mm-hmm. people will look at our quilts and wonder about us too and perhaps they'll they'll come up with theories. <laughs> she was an unhappy woman. No, I'm well no, what's really fun now in quilt making is you will go to shows and you will see well like at Houston one year there were so many Baltimore album quilts in one exhibit. Frankly I would have to go through part of it and then stop. It was too much to take in they're and then go quite, back. Um, they're quite, they're ornate and they're quite amazing. When I first got interested, which was 1983, I thought, oh, people will get tired of these. They're too fancy. But it has held. And they have been top winners for decades now in shows. Sometimes there are so many, as a judge, people will say, we can't have this many of this type. And so the competition is fierce among the album quilts, but people have raised to great heights, I think, in accomplishment. Now, do you have any idea how many were made in the 1800s about a ballpark? We think hundreds. There is a group that's been documenting them called Baltimore Albums and Friends, and they've they've documented more than 300 during this short period. So there was some kind of passion. Now, the old understanding was that Baltimore brides quilts, is what they were called, were quilts made by wives and daughters of the Odd Fellows. But I think it got much wider than that. After it came virtually to an end in Baltimore, it went north and west as these orders spread. Mm -hmm. Now, what about today? Do you have any idea how many have been made today? I think probably hundreds. There have been three major shows. Lancaster, there was one, uh, the Mancusos, mm-hmm. sponsored by CNT Publishing, who's my publisher. And then maybe three years ago in Houston, there was a major show, all of Baltimore Album Quilts, a show within the large Houston market show. And the year that they did it in Houston, um, you, had, you got the silver star award right i did and and that's such an honor ellie it's it was a great honor i was i wish i brought my pin when they do the silver star they make the award is a silver pin in your style so i have a basket of flowers which i'm just thrilled with (laughs) i was at that dinner they have a dinner and it's a huge dinner a banquet and your family was there and you gave a lovely lovely speech i mean thank you for those of you who have never heard of this, this is big. This is huge to get that, and you deserve it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Do you find when you travel to different countries, and you mentioned South Africa, and you have students who are making these quilts, that regionally you can tell a difference? Yes, that's a wonderful question, and it's very exciting. I certainly found that. I found that in South Africa, where... I taught there right after the first one-man-one-vote election, so they had been under embargo for quite a while and developed a very distinctive style 
of quilt making and in their Baltimores, very distinctive and very reflective of their culture. The Japanese Baltimores are exquisite uh, just just beautiful with more what we would think of as Japanese colors, subtle mm-hmm. colors mm-hmm. and lots of taupe and just beautiful. Yes, it's an expressive style once people learned it. And when I named the, the series, the how-to series, is called Baltimore Beauties and Beyond, this was my dream that we would learn it and then take it beyond. And that's happened now. Oh, absolutely it has happened. And you are responsible for what we're enjoying today. I want to say something. I mentioned it in an earlier episode, and that was that... Um, I grew up in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, and there was a big push to be innovative, contemporary, and I and and I felt inadequate because I wasn't quite cutting the mustard in those, you know, in that way. And then when I was exposed to Baltimore album quilts because of you, I realized, you know what? It's okay to be a traditionalist. It's just what you do do well. And I mean, certainly I mean, they're just, they're just out of this world. And they're out of this world. I remember that so well. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember, I remember my friend Bernice Stone, who's no longer with us, I said, wouldn't you just love to have a Baltimore album quilt? And she said, you'd have to be brain dead not to want one. And I thought that was a great <laughs> response. I think that's lovely. Well, that was partly the push that I in doing this 19th book to do it a bit simpler because... It has frightened some people, and it shouldn't. It is really a step-by-step journey. Now, you said said 19th book, and it's this September. And what's the book called? It's called Baltimore Elegance. And actually, I I love best the introductions. So a bit of that talk that I gave in Houston, Mm -hmm. I slipped into the introduction because I'm, I'm just fascinated by why we quilt and what these quilts mean to us and why someone would work so hard on such such a challenge. Well, also like my friend Wendy, what you have done for her, her ribbon work and everything. Oh, I just it. It's like you are traveling over this world of quilting and sprinkling your fairy dust on us, Ellie. Oh, that's so nice. Well, I just feel as though I have the most wonderful people in class. It's just a joy. It's just a joy. I think the quilts are beautiful. They're full of, if you had to put a word, one word, on what are they full of, they're full of beneficence. And that's not a word we use much anymore, but it's sort of goodness. Mm-hmm. And they, they bring that out in people and they reflect it. They have beautiful things. You asked at some point about things that are written. Inking. Inking on the quilts. And, for example, one phrase says, may your life flow as gently as the quiet stream. Just exquisite phrases, and so you feel very ladylike making a Baltimore <laughs> album. <laughs> now, you have been doing fabric for quite a while with different companies, and the fabric you design is really specifically made to enhance our Baltimore experience, right? Yes, it is. The current fabric is called Beyond Baltimore, and that I'm doing it for Robert Kaufman. Uh, they did two collections. Beyond Baltimore is more ornate, multicolor fabric, and then a second one is spoken without a word, and that's more tone-on-tone and background fabrics. They're my second group of these collections, so spoken without a word is Eileen Mary after my mother, who was a wonderful artist, and she did some pen and ink, which they've made into fabric. Very nice. Excited about that. So somebody could just ask for that at their quilt shop, right? They could, or look it up on the web. Yeah, and also you do travel, but 
and teach, but above and beyond that, you have a wonderful academy every year in Williamsburg. Tell us about that, Ellie. Well, my dream had been to be able to teach for more than one day because usually when we teach, we teach a day class. So I started maybe 12 years ago now an academy of applique, 10 different teachers. I'm one of them. And we have all applique, but it's four days of classes, and it's extended a bit. You could come for a full week and take out a days in beautiful, historic Williamsburg. I would suspect that you would have a lot of um, applicators making a pilgrimage there every year, probably a lot of repeat, right? We have quite a few repeats, maybe a quarter, but we always have new people, and we have classes for beginners through advance. Uh, some doing applica- uh, antique reproduction mm-hmm. type things, some people doing very innovative things, some people doing machine work, handwork, quilting. So if somebody were new at applique and drawn into the Baltimore experience, they could come to your academy and, and, and be put in the right place. They would love it. Okay, they would great. love it. It's exciting to be with people who are all interested in the same same thing so well Ellie it's just been such a pleasure to know you for so long and I took you at Asilomar a million years ago and you put up with me thank you you were wonderful <laughs> and, and what I and what I remember about that class was that not only is your passion for Baltimore you know so evident but you are a historian and yeah and you know, by the fourth day, I just thought, how can she know all this? But you know this inside and out. I think I've just, you get a certain feeling for something combined with study, combined with doing it. And I think that it was just meant to be. This was the place for me. I found joy in Baltimore. <laughs> and also, if you're ever thinking about going on a cruise, um, Ellie is in partnership with Quilt Celebration. So that's another place where people could take you. It's a wonderful place. Mm-hmm. And Asilomar is another place. Asilomar mm-hmm. is wonderful. But I would say if if you are a Baltimore album lover, you must come to your symposium you must well that would be lovely and and does it book out i mean how do people get on this the uh, brochure goes out in early august they could get on the website which is just elliesinkevich.com all one word and Uh, i'll spell that on mine (laughs) (laughs) but about two days after it goes online the word goes out that it's all filled and it's never been all filled my classes do fill quickly but i teach Five of them because I teach added days as well, mm-hmm. and there's always space. And someone got in a week before it started because two people canceled. Exactly, so exactly. Things stick happen. Stick it out. Yeah. So they stick it out. And uh, my friends, if you have never had the privilege to take a class from Ellie, you must. And if you have, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Thank you so much, Ellie. Well, thank you so much for having me, Alex. It's a pleasure to see you again. And I cannot wait to see what you'll be delighting us with 10 years from now oh my goodness i know (laughs) (laughs) and um thanks so much for listening please come to my website and i will alexandersonquilts.com and i will link you to ellie's and um until we meet and let me tell you if you have the opportunity to meet ellie you will never forget it she is a very special wonderful lady until we meet and we do get around happy applique more quilting information and inspiration, please
please visit us at alexandersonquilts.com.